So I was thinking about this series and this first message, and many times what I do is I think months in advance kind of where I want to go in the Word, and uh, next month we're going to talk about objections, some of the objections that people have about Christianity. So I kind of have an idea where that's going to go, but not really, and so that's the same as this series here. But I was just thinking of this whole idea that life is so busy, and it's so it's becoming more and more busy. It's like, eh, eh, eh. it's getting louder and louder and more busy and more difficult and more complex and all those other things. And I thought, as I was thinking through this first message, I said, what I need to do is I need to just say, here's five things you can do to simplify your life, number one through five. And I thought, well, man, that would be a good way to start. You know, just give me five things that could simplify my life or four things or whatever, you know, three, if, if you can do three, you know. And as I was thinking about that, and I was studying through the scripture, I kind of came upon a passage, and I thought, you know what, I think I'm approaching this the wrong way. I think the issue isn't giving you a plan of how to simplify your life, it's giving you a principle of how to simplify your life. And so that's what I want to talk about uh, this weekend. I want to talk about how, how we can think through the decisions we're making on a day-to-day -day basis and it's possible, and I'm going to take you in a direction that hopefully when we get through all of this, you'll go, yeah, I think that's what I need to work through. I think that's what I need to wrestle with more. And I think that will help you to kind of get a grip on how quickly life is moving. And just a few things I was thinking about as far as, as through my study and through reading and different things. I was thinking a couple of things that our world is. Our world is going too fast, <laughs> right? Um, you know, somebody, you know, and I don't know who said it first, time flies when you're having fun. All I know of this is time flies. <laughs> Whether you're having fun or not, it flies. And uh, Americans are especially prone to living on this fast-paced lifestyle, right? We're just go, 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 go. And this is not true for many parts of the world. Is when we've taken multiple trips to Haiti, and I took a, a trip to Africa, I'm going to be in about a month, I'm going to be in Africa, and I want to tell you a story about that in a minute. But what I found in those cultures is they're not in a hurry. You know, if the service is supposed to start at 8.30, and you're there as American, you're there at 8.25 or even 8.30, and there's five people there. You say, well, when's the service going to start? When are they going to run the service? And people come in at 8.45, there's more people, maybe 9 o'clock-ish, they'll start, and they may not end at the, the allotted time. It's just that they're not really hung up on time like we are. But we are. We're like, our eyes are on the clock. Now, let me tell you what happened to me today. Hope Church had a God moment today. And I say Hope Church because it, it's the influence of Hope Church. So I got an email from this missionary friend of mine that I'm going to be going to Africa and I'm going to be helping him drill a well. And we did an offering at Christmas Eve to do a well, okay? And uh, so he sent, we're going back and forth in communication over the last few couple months and especially the few weeks just to kind of get things, what should I, you know, just getting my mind wrapped around that I'm going to Africa. It's one of those things where you kind of jump off a cliff and you think about it after you're in the air. That's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, I've been there before, but that was 25 years ago in, in Timbuktu. You can't go there now. Um, but anyway, 
he sent me an email this morning. He said, did the church send me the money? It sent us the money for the well. And I'm thinking, he, he said, I re- our, my, our account for the wells received uh, a check for $14,300. Well, I know that we haven't sent them a check yet. And I'm going, I don't know what's going on here. He says it was sent by the Dubuque Community Foundation. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And he sent me the name. And apparently, this is what happened. Apparently, through the influence of the church, whether they were, this person was here at a service, whether they were here at Christmas Eve, don't know, whether they saw it online, they decided to give $14,300 to do a well. Hope Church had an incredible influence. Praise the Lord, right? Now they're not just going to get one well. They're going to get two wells. So praise the Lord, right? So this is, this is the kind of cool stuff that happens sometimes. You don't always get to talk about it. But it's one of those things where you go, this is kind of what God does sometimes. God just does those surprising things. You go, whoa, that's so cool. And uh, I... I mean, I just heard about this this morning, so this is just absolutely fresh, and I am still beside myself. And, and it was nice to be able to send back and say, no, that's not ours. Ours is coming. <laughs> You'll get ours, too. But I think he's there in Africa going, what is going on in Dubuque, Iowa? I think God. I think God. But the point is, uh, life is fast for us, but in many cultures it's slow, and I expect things to slow down a little bit there. The other thing about our world is it delivers, it's delivering too little. You know, many people are disappointed because they feel that, uh, they feel that the, like, life prom- makes so many grand promises that, doesn't, that it doesn't deliver. Uh, we pour so much of our time and our effort into our family, our work, and the people around us we still sometimes feel lonely and unappreciated and we go, wait a minute, I'm putting a lot of effort into this. Why don't people appreciate me more? Why, don't, why doesn't my boss understand how hard I'm working? Why doesn't my family understand how much I'm sacrificing? For will there ever be a day where my kids will walk up to me and say, Mom, Dad, we get it now. We understand what you were going through. We were so rotten. Don't you pray for those days? Because they're never going to happen. <laughs> but, our, but the point is, our world makes great boasts and promises, but, they, but it rarely delivers. That's, it's, and number three, it, 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 our world is, it goes, it's going too fast, it's delivering too little, and it demands too much. Demands too much. Sometimes it seems like we're running a marathon that never ends. I used to have a cross-country coach, and we used to run behind his car. And he would say, okay, God, and he'd always be in a bathrobe, and I think he was smoking. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Those were different days. <laughs> and he'd get in his little Camaro, I think it was, and he would just drive, and he'd say, follow me. Of course, we had to be at his house at 6 o'clock in the morning to run. It's like we woke him up, and he got in his car, and he said, follow me. 
And but he, what, he, what, what he would always inevitably do is say, we're going to run this route. But then his car would go like in a direction that you go, no, wait a minute. It's going to add another few miles to the run. It just seemed like he was always adding, you know, the finish line was always getting moved out and life sometimes seems that way. We often feel like uh, everyone wants a piece of us. I really recently came across a bumper sticker and it said, God loves you and everyone has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> and they do, right? You should behave this way. You should do this for me. You should serve me this way. Everybody has a plan for your life. Added to that, we're, we're in an information age which demands our instant response. This is another thing in the last five, six, seven, eight years this cell phone and, and the information and just immediately beep, dong, you know, ding, you know, we, we get these things. The cell phone is doing us no favors in this area. People are upset if we don't instantly answer a call, text, or email. And we feel compelled to respond when we are spending. Uh, we tend to respond. Here's what I'm finding. I'm finding we're with other people, but we're on our phone. And we're not really with other people. Have you, have you noticed that with people? You know, your wife or your, your, your husband or your kids. And you're in the same room together, but you're not together. Tony uh, Renke wrote a book. and The title of the book is 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Now get this. This is, this is quite striking. He says... That the average person checks their phone 81,500 times each year, or once every 4.3 minutes, which means you will check your phone eight times before the sermon is finished. We're bombarded with so many good choices and we feel overwhelmed. We've forgotten that life is a gift, something to be treasured each day. Instead, we live our lives like a, lives like a cog in a wheel, grinding our lives away. So the passage that I want to look at this week is a passage that some of you are going to just go, oh, that's so refreshing. And some of you are going to go, I can't, I can't, I can't. Luke chapter 10, you know the story. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's a story of Jesus with two of his friends. Luke 10, 38, it says this. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now let's just talk about this for a moment. Martha was worried and upset about many things. She was distracted with life. 
this is what our problem is. We're distracted with life. We're distracted. We've got an email. We've got a text. We've got a problem. We've got a kid. We've got a husband, a wife. We've got a job. We've got health issues. We've got relational issues. We've got money issues. We're distracted. And what Jesus basically says to her is, you're letting life overwhelm you. You're letting life overwhelm you, Martha. Here's the point. And this is the principle that I think I want to talk about and I want to kind of unpack a little bit. Our problem is that we are busy with life. We try to do too much. We become distracted by life. One of the signs of a distracted life is we feel like we're, fall, we're failing and we're falling further and further behind. Do you feel that way sometimes? We need to stop being so distracted and allow ourselves to be interrupted. Now that, <laughs> when you first read that, you're going to go, wait a minute, that just seems like another thing on the list. Now you're telling me, don't be distracted, but be interrupted. Now what do I mean by that? Distractions keep us from doing what is most, the most important things. Martha was distracted with good things, right? She wasn't doing robbing a bank. I don't know if they had banks back then. She wasn't doing anything bad, but she was, she was doing good things, but not the best things. Mary chose to stop serving with Martha, her sister. And she began to sit at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus was a welcomed interruption into the lives of these two women. God wants to interrupt your life today, tomorrow, and this year. The question is, how will you respond to his interruptions? This is a real struggle for many of us. So, 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 so understand what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is, instead of giving you five principles, I'm going to challenge you that you are dis too, we're all dis too distracted with life. And what we need to do is we need to stop being so distracted. And, and, and by the way, most of the time it's by good things. It's not bad things, it's good things. But we need to stop being dis so distracted so that we can be interrupted. And I think that we're so distracted that we're never interrupted. The point is that Mary allowed the, the busyness of life to stop so she could be interrupted to have time with Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, was not. Martha was stressed. Mary wasn't. Now, for, you, for some of you, and, and I kind of fall into this plane, I'm a task-oriented person. I feel like if there's certain things that I need to do, and, and, and maybe you've noticed this and you said, well, he's kind of standoffish. He's not very personal. Most of the time, if you approach me and I'm in the middle of a task, it's hard. It's like almost impossible for me to stop and say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got to get done. I've got to get it done. I've got to get done. It just drives me crazy. Task, 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 right? And I find that going on in my life, and it just drives me crazy. Now, my father-in-law, who is a pastor, he is just absolutely the opposite. He's just like, he's just open for interruptions. <laughs> I remember when we were on, when, when I worked for him at a little church a number of years ago, 
I remember anybody that walked in the door, he would just kind of find a way out and just have a conversation with them. And I, my nose is down, get the work done, you know, you know. That's just the way we're wired. We're just wired differently. So, but the point I want you to see is that J Jesus was never distracted from his mission, but he always was alert for divine interruption. In other words, Jesus had his eye on what his role was. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came as the Lamb of God to take away his sins of the world. So he knew what his mission was. He always had his eye on his mission. But here's the point. He was willing to be interrupted. Now, I want to give you a couple of, couple of illustrations where Jesus balanced living a busy life, keeping his eyes on the mission, he, but he was never distracted to the point where he wasn't, wasn't able to be interrupted. So let me, look, let me show you that. So the first example is Matthew chapter 12. Let me read it to you. We'll talk about it. When Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He, he replied uh, to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. Now, Mark has another, in the Mark's verse, I want to read that up. That'll be up on the screen. When the family heard about this, they wanted to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Now, understand what's going on here. Jesus' family, when he begins to do the public ministry, they think he's crazy. They think he's come unglued. They think he's a lunatic. They think he's lost it. They went to take charge of him. Now, that's a very strong word. It means to arrest him, to tie him up, to grab him, to stop him. They came to stop him. Why? Because he was embarrassing them. He was going off. He was acting like a crazy person. But here's the thing. Jesus would not be distracted. When his family came to grab him, he knew why they came. And he basically said, you know what? These are my family. These are, these are the people that get me. They understand what I'm doing. My family isn't there yet. But they're not going to keep me from doing what I need to do. Now, some of you are struggling with this in your own family. And you're on this, I don't want to make them mad. I don't, they don't understand. And Jesus was say, he plowed right through that. He just said, you know what? I understand you don't get this, but this is what I got to do. This, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. But... In other words, he wouldn't be distracted even if his own family, even if his own mother came. On the other hand, he was willing to be interrupted by a divine call. So the point I want you to see is even when his family came to him and wanted to grab him and stop him, he said, no, I'm on a mission here. I can't stop. But he was willing to be interrupted. Look at uh, Luke chapter 8, verse four, uh, 40. Um. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So on his way to heal a sick child. Okay, so this, this is a synagogue leader, and he comes to Jesus and says, Would you come? My daughter's dying. Will you heal her? And so Jesus... And as you read the passage, and I don't have time to do it, as you read the passage, the, the crowds are just pushing, crushing them. And finally, uh, Jesus, in the midst of that, notices that somebody has touched him. 
the cloak of his garment. <laughs> you have to be pretty dialed in, right? Verse uh, 47 says, Then a woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, uh, because Jesus said, Who touched me? And the disciples go, Well, listen, with a crowd like this, probably 500 people touched you. But he was saying something different. And, and so finally, the woman, uh, seeing that she could not be go unnoticed, came... Tra- and my, guy, my, gut, my gut tells me that as I'm reading this, that Jesus had eye contact with her. He knew immediately who it was. And he looked at her. And she came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter... Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Here's the point I want you to see. Jesus was able to balance the many distractions of life with divine interruptions of life. You see the principle I'm trying to... The idea I'm trying to get to you to see is that we are always going to be busy, but are we going to be too busy for these divine interruptions that God wants to bring in our life? Will we even be aware of those? Because those divine interruptions are the things we desperately need. And I'll show you why in a a minute. God wants to divinely interrupt your life this year. And I want you to ask yourself, is it possible that you're missing out on incredible opportunities to be with Jesus because we're too distracted doing good things? It's exactly what was going on with Mary and Martha. Martha missed out on a divine interruption. Now, it's incredible when you see this. This is the message of Mary and Martha, right? Uh, Are we open to divine intervention? Now, if you were to say this, let's just say that it's the day after the, the, the party, the gathering that Mary and Martha have, all right? It's the day after. And so, here we are. Uh, we're sitting down. And we're interviewing Mary. Mary, tell us about your time yesterday. Oh, it was amazing. Just to be with Jesus, to hear his teaching. He, he just, uh, I, 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 it's hard to explain it. It just felt like I felt energized. I felt loved. I felt encouraged. I felt supported. I just felt like, it was unbelievable. You interview Martha, and she would say, Oh, I'm still not, I still don't have all this, the house cleaned up. It's just a mess. It's a, it's a disaster. I am stressed out. I, I, I know Jesus was there. My, my sister, she, and she goes off for 10 minutes on her sister about how her sister wasn't there to support her and all this other stuff. And, and you said, well, what about Jesus? Yeah, he was there. I think he enjoyed himself. And yeah, I, but I really didn't get to spend much time with Jesus. See, our challenge is to choose the best things over the good things. Martha was doing a good thing, serving Jesus. But here's the danger. Serving become, can become a legalistic replacement for being with Jesus. You know what? There are people today that serve Jesus. They give their time for Jesus. They serve in ministries for Jesus. They work hard for Jesus but they're never with Jesus. You would look at them and say, what a great Christian. They're doing all these things for Jesus, but they're never sitting at his feet. And at the core of Martha's efforts to serve Jesus is action, 
She was active and busy. At the core of Mary's actions to serve Jesus was relation. Mary wanted to be with Jesus. Martha wanted to serve Jesus. Now you would say, well, those are both important, aren't they? Well, they are. But not when serving becomes a replacement for being with Jesus. Mary knew when to knock off and sit quietly before God. She understood the dominant, overarching, supreme priority of her life of being with Jesus. Now, the irony of the story is interesting. Mary is essentially saying, here's what Mary is saying. Excuse me, Martha. This is what Martha is saying. Martha is saying, make Mary serve you. Right? Isn't that what she's saying? She's saying, Jesus, make, Mar- make, make Mary, my sister Mary, serve you. Make her get up and serve you. Now, some of you have come to this story and you've thought, yeah, I think, she, I think Mary's a little lazy. Because you tend to be more like a Martha, don't you? Right? She's not doing her job. You know, of course you're going to be mad. And why does Jesus choose her, right? Why does, he, why does he need to say, yeah, go help your sister? Now, the assumption is that, Martha, or that, that Mary hasn't been doing anything. But if you read the text, if you understand the text, um, it, it's, it's not quite the same. Because when you read the text, it says that Martha, or, excuse me, it says that Mary was serving But she stopped and began to sit. In other words, she saw a divine interruption. And she said, you know what? There's a point where I can serve, but there's also a point where I can sit. And I need to sit right now. I need to sit at his feet and I need to be fed. I need to be encouraged. I need to be loved. That's what I need right now. She is saying, I'm trying to serve you, but she's not. But Jesus says to her, Martha, she is serving me by sitting with me. I'm not looking for a seven-course meal. I'm looking for you. See, now think about that. Because what we've done is we've turned this relationship with Jesus into serving Jesus, which certainly is part of a relationship. But another part of the relationship is just being with a person and enjoying their presence, right? I mean, think about the most important relationships in your lives with your kids, with your spouse, with a friend. You want to serve them, and that's part of the relationship, but aren't the special times where you just get to sit there with a cup of coffee or you just sit there and read a book with a child and you just enjoy them? You just are with them? Isn't that what, 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 what we need? And isn't that what God wants? So I want to ask you a question. Are you a Martha? Some Marthas never get their personal relationship with Jesus. They're serving him, but they don't really know him. They, they don't sit at his feet. They don't desire to be with him. These Marthas are really good people. They're servants. But they're around people who have a relationship with Jesus. They merely serve him. Their connection to Jesus is duty, not love. They have a lot of anxiety, restlessness, and distractions. Because they're saying, my job is to serve Jesus. And Jesus is saying to us in the text tonight, 
No, part of your job is to be with me, just to sit with me. Some of you might not be going through a, a Martha, you may be going through a Martha season. You, you can remember a time when you, like Mary, sat at the feet of Jesus, but those days, those days seem long ago. And this weekend, God is calling you back, back to the feet of Jesus. You see, I could give you five things to do, but I don't think I need to give you five things to do. I think the principle is this, is are you too, uh, are you too busy with life, overwhelmed with life, that you're not able to be interrupted with Jesus. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Your car has a gas tank. You fill it to full, and then you drive. There has to be a time where you interrupt your driving to refill the tank, or your car's not going to go anywhere. And in a sense... One of the things that being with Jesus is, it fills your spiritual tank. It gives you a divine perspective. It gives you hope. It gives you a feeling that you are loved when you're around people that don't seem to feel like they want to express love to you. It gives you all the things that you need. But if you're so busy serving Jesus, you're distracted with the busyness of life that you never sit with Jesus, then you never get your heart filled. If you don't have your heart filled then you're going to struggle with worry, anxiety, fear, all those different things. My guess is that Mary left that day refreshed. Martha left that day overwhelmed with life because of one divine intervention and uh, possibility. Well, where do you start? Where do you start? So here's three things that I just thought of and I just throw it out there. Whatever is helpful, use it. What if it's not? Just forget it. Number one, settle your relationship with God. Do you understand that your relationship is a loving and intimate relationship with the Creator and Father? Uh, do you realize that you are cherished and loved unconditionally, that He is Abba, Father? Do you understand that? Do you understand that he is just sitting there waiting to be with you? And that sometimes he's going to make interruptions and he's going to say, can we get together? You know what I found? Those are sometimes in the busiest times of my life. And I'm going, I'm task-oriented. God, you know that. <laughs> yeah, can't you take some time? Can we just stop and think and pray and read? And So settle your relationship with God first thing is there's a lot of people who are serving Jesus but they have no relationship with Jesus do you know Jesus is your savior I mean if you don't know Jesus if you don't find any value sitting at the feet of Jesus then you got to question whether you even know Jesus that's number one number two make room for divine interventions learn the value of interruptions uh, over good dis distractions in other words we're distracted with life. Life is filled with distractions. Many times they're good things. We're doing good things, not bad things. But there are times where there are, we need to be interrupted. Sometimes we just have to make interruptions in our lives where we just stop and say, okay, it's time out. Let's call it a spiritual time out and let's reconnect with our Creator, with our Savior for a few minutes because we really need to do that right now. Let's pray about this. Let's think about this. Let's, let's take in His Word for a few minutes. 
So make room for divine interventions. Learn the value of interruptions over good distractions. And in number three, listen to his words. Now, I don't have time to go into it, but it's interesting because you read a little bit more about Mary. Mary is the one who brings... You remember the story where this woman brings this expensive box of perfume and she pours the perfume and anoints Jesus and she wipes Jesus with her, you know, with her, uh, with her hair. And uh, the disciples are be beside themselves. And, and it says in the text that, that she wipes her, uses her hair to wipe him with, with her, her, his feet with her hair in, in sorrow, in tears. And the disciples, they, they, they try to stop her. Uh, they, they, this, this is very expensive. This could have been used for so many other good things. And Jesus said to her, said to them, this is John 12, 7, leave her alone, Jesus replied. I was in, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Here's the point. They don't understand what she's doing. They don't get it. These are the people that walked with the disciples, that walked with him every day. They don't get it. But Mary did. Mary understood that she was preparing him for his burial. How did she know this? By sitting at his feet and by listening to what he was saying. Because he was very clear about what he was saying. She was the only one that heard it. She was the only one that understood it. She saw what the disciples did not. That Jesus came to earth to die. Where did she get that? By sitting with Jesus and listening to what he had to say. Jesus wants to teach you this year. And the way he's going to teach you is through divine, divine interruptions. Are you going to be too busy? You're going to be geared doing all these good things and never stop. Because ultimately, the words of Jesus are very striking. I just want to read that one phrase because I tried to stop on it and read it. But let me just close and read that one more time. He says this, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But then what does he say? But few things are needed. You're over worrying. You're over planning this. You're overdoing it. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. What Jesus was saying is, there was only one thing that was necessary today for two sisters to be with me. One was and one wasn't. But if we were Christians today and we were looking at the, these two women, we would say, Martha, she was a good Christian. She was working hard. She was doing a lot of good things. Mary, oh, Mary was a little lazy. Jesus, she was with me. 
She was learning. She was getting affirmed and loved. She was charging her battery. Yeah, all these other things seemed important, but in the end, this was the one that was the most important. God is going to knock on your, the door of your life this week and this year with a divine interruption. Will you let him in? You know that verse in Revelation where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in and have fellowship with them. We use that verse and we say, well, that's a verse of salvation. That's a verse to invite people into the kingdom of God. No, 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 it's not. If you read the context, that verse is written to churches, to communities of believers. And Jesus is saying, will you let me in? Will you have fellowship with me? That's the question. So, yeah, life's going to continue to be busy. It's going to be complex. It's going to be. But here's the thing. When we allow him in, when we open the door of our life and say, Jesus, I need time with you. We'll find that we'll be able to say no and remanage some of these things. And we'll say, you know what? I don't have to answer that email or that text right away and we'll find more wisdom more love more support more hope more joy we'll find our battery charged life will be better life is always better when we're sitting at the feet of jesus we can't do that all day long every day but there are going to be times where jesus could be knocking at the door of your life and he's saying will you let me in i guarantee you'll never regret letting him in but it's going to be a struggle because <laughs> there's a lot of weight against that door. <laughs> Let him in this year. That's part of how you simplify your life. Let me pray with you. Help us, Father, because this is kind of easy to talk about. It's easy to understand. It's awfully hard to do. When we get in the current of life, when we feel like we're being pushed and pulled and prodded left and right, when we're trying to do good and we're trying to do right, it's hard. Help us to be ready for those divine interruptions so that we can have time with you because we desperately need it more than ever before. We need it now. So may we, be may we allow you to interrupt our lives this day, this week, this year, on more times than we can count so that we can get everything we need at the feet of Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.